from the CARE series this morning, John chapter 13. And I want to preach about take your towel. Take your towel. Or don't forget to take your towel. Now, you may be like me, and I'm forgetful. And as the worship team was singing and we were worshiping, I looked at my wife and I said, I forgot the towel. Now, I would say I planned that intentionally, but I, I didn't plan that intentionally. And so she went out and got the towel and brought it back to me. What I should have done is waited till I got up here and made a big dramatic scene and said, I forgot the towel. Would you go get the towel? So you just pretend that that's what happened. That would have been a good hook into the sermon this morning, a good, good attention getter, so to speak. But I want to preach to us this morning about taking your towel. It's in John chapter 13, and if you were in the Sanctuary Sunday School class this morning, uh, Pastor Allison just did a marvelous job of, of bringing out the lesson, and the lesson was all over the Gospel of John. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize that, and I'm going to be preaching also from the, the Gospel of John. And if you weren't in the class, I invite you to come and, and join us at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. There's also a, a, a wonderful elective in the youth uh, class, or excuse me, the children's classroom, Sunday School Sanctuary. Uh, and I've been hearing a lot of wonderful feedback from, from that as they're, they're studying uh, about marriage and respect. And um, so we invite you to come and join us at the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, there's class for every age group, for every child and youth. So we welcome you to come and be part of that. But this morning I want to preach to us about Take Your Towel from the Care Series, John chapter 13. I found this blog as I was trying to prepare for, for this sermon, and, and the lady's name is Karen Wingate, and it was called Grace on Parade, and she said that she had a Bible study with women, and she took and put, much like you see on the screen there, a stack of towels on the table, and she asked the ladies to, to give her 15 ways to use a towel. And I thought these were interesting remarks. They said, you can use a towel to dry off after a shower. Duh. Uh, you can use a towel to wrap your hair in after a shower. Now, I've never done that. But I found that uh, as shortly into our marriage, uh, my wife walks down the hallway with this thing on the top of her head. I said, what is this? What is this? You can use it to dry your dog's feet when he comes inside. You can lay a towel on a sofa so that a pet can sit on the towel. Use it to wipe up a large amount of, of spilled water or coffee or, or, or Brother Crawford, in my case, sweet tea, as you saw me spill mine last evening at the restaurant. You can wring excess water out of stockings or, or a hand-washed sweater. Or you can lay a sweater on top of a towel to dry it. You can place uh, it on top of a knitted item on an ironing board while you're ironing it. I would have no experience with those matters. You can use it as a headpiece if you've been asked to be Mary in the Christmas pageant. Never been asked to be Mary in the Christmas pageant. I like this next one. You can wrap it around a casserole dish if you're taking it to a potluck. You can use it as a batting for a craft project as an inner layer of thickness. Now, I have no earthly idea what that even means, but it's on the list. You can wipe excess moisture off of your car after you wash your car using a towel. Uh, you can repurpose it by cutting it into strips 
and, and, and making a rug. Now, that's what I've always dreamed of doing. <laughs> the, the next one is really awesome. You can create, get this, towel art fashion and make it into swans and hearts. Now, that's what I'm going to do over my holiday break. I'm going to make my towels into swans and hearts. <laughs> but the last one, number 15, said, never throw out a towel. Now, we'll all agree with this one because you might need a rag. So I want to tell us this morning, never throw out your towel because you never know when you might need it. And that's what I want to preach about this morning. Today's passage shows us Jesus taking his towel and, and through his example, showing us how to take up our towel. It brings us to a, a, a I'm going to say a table. But it's, it's really not a table as such as we would think about it. The, the, the scene here is Jesus and his disciples, the 12 disciples, and these men who have been with him day in and day out. He has loved them. He has poured into them. He's been good to them. He has spoken the words of eternal life to them. And so our, our, our scene today is around a meal. It's around a, a time of, of fellowship. Wasn't a table and chairs as we're accustomed to table and chairs today because typically they were in a more reclining type position. And they, and they reclined around an area to eat together. And so in that posture, their feet would definitely be more exposed than we are normally used to our feet being exposed during a meal. And so if you take that into account, and then you think about the fact that they traveled dusty roads, walking many, many miles in the dust, typically sandal-type shoes probably, and so their feet were dirty. And it was, an, it was a custom to, to have a servant or even the lowest of servants to wash feet. So that's the context this morning as we're seeing them having this meal. And then all of a sudden we see that Jesus starts to wash their feet. This was a custom of that day. If you come to my house for dinner, I'm not going to wash your feet. But that's what, what would happen if you would uh, visit someone else's house. Is typically as you would come in, the lowest servant would go ahead and wash your feet. And so I'm going to just talk about being around a table this morning. But, but you understand that, that they were really reclined around in a kind of a different posture of eating than the way we're accustomed to. But I want to bring it into our vernacular and, and into our schema of thought this morning of a meal. So I want to talk first about trust. At the table. Trust at the table. As they were eating together that day. And as we share meals with each other. And with friends and family and church people. It creates what David Jeremiah said. is supposed to be an intimate activity. That will create and affirm mutual trust. And it's a beautiful thing to, to sit down at, to a meal with a friend or with a, a, with a church person or a family member or a co-worker and just enjoy fellowship and, and to bond. We've heard that term before, bond with each other. So it was supposed to be an intimate activity, supposed to have mutual trust being established. But unfortunately, trust was violated on the side of the disciples. And we're going to see that this morning. Look at verse 1. In chapter 13, 
Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them, and he loved them to the end. He knew that they were going to break his trust. They knew that he knew, excuse me, he knew that they were going to break his trust. He knew that they were going to scatter away from him and some would, one would betray and one would deny. And he knew everything that was coming, but yet he loved them and he loved them to the end. And I want to preach to us this morning and I want to remind us that God knows our days as individuals from the beginning... All the way to the end. But he still loves us. He may bless us today knowing that we may fail him tomorrow. He loves us with an unconditional everlasting love. Isn't that a beautiful thought this morning? And we can never go too far that his love can't reach out to us and bring us back to where we're supposed to be. He loves us. He loved them, but unfortunately on their part, trust was violated. Now maybe you can um, relate this morning. Maybe you have had trust among somebody or some bodies that you thought, these people will never forsake me, they will never do me wrong, they will never hurt me, but you've been violated or trust has been broken. It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts when trust is is broken. It hurts when, when someone we thought loved us and that we loved does us wrong. But in those times, we must be reminded that Jesus Christ has experienced, even at a greater level, the breaking of trust far greater than we've ever experienced. And yet, we're going to see in this passage, he's going to pick up his towel and serve them. And I want to tell us this morning that that hurt is going to come. Heartache will come at some point in time. But it is then that we look to Christ as our example and we say, this is not going to make me bitter. It's going to make me better. And I'm going to take up my towel. So there was broken trust at the table. But then we move on to see another seat at the table. If I can just preach it that way this morning. And, and the other seat at the table was betrayal. There was betrayal in one of the seats. Now what does it mean to, to betray? It means to expose to danger by treacherously giving information to an enemy or an opposing party. Exposed to danger. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had a coworker undermine you or, or go to a superior and lie on you or... or Make you out into a, in a bad light. Have you ever had a betrayal? If you have, you know that it hurts. Betrayal hurts. Look at verse 2. Jesus dealt with betrayal. Let's look at how he responded. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Christ. The devil had already been working in Judas, Judas, the one who was the treasurer of the group, who, who spent the money and kept the money. Now, the Bible tells us he did that because he was ultimately a thief. 
Judas, who was with Jesus day in and day out, and no doubt this was not the first meal that they had shared. Judas, who had seen the miracles and had seen Jesus moved with love and compassion. If anyone should have been Jesus' number one fan, it should have been Judas. But the devil had already put into Judas' heart to betray him. And maybe you can relate. Maybe we can relate. Maybe we've been betrayed at some point in time. But Jesus shows us here in the next three verses how we can respond appropriately to betrayal. Look with me, please, starting at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Stop it right there for just a minute. Let me tell you, Jesus was secure in who he is. And Jesus was secure in whose he is. And I want to preach to you and I this morning in moments of betrayal, in moments of false accusation, in moments where the enemy would stick his finger in our face or, or some co-worker would stick their fist in our face and accuse us. We know who we are. We are children of God. And we know whose we are. We are children of God. And I want to remind us this morning that the attack might come, but the attack does not change who I am. And the attack does not change whose I am. In fact, the scripture tells me that when the enemy does come in like a flood, that the Spirit of God will lift up a standard or a barrier against him. God will vindicate. God will vindicate. How do we respond in times of betrayal? We remind ourselves who we are in Christ. We remind ourselves whose we are in Christ. And here then is what Jesus did. Look at verse 4. He rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments, kind of like taking a coat off. And he took a towel and he girded himself, wrapped it around himself. Look at verse 5. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. You say, Pastor, you mean he even washed the one who was getting ready to betray him for 30 pieces of silver? You mean he even washed his feet? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the love of God. And I believe that that same grace can be in our lives so powerfully, so strongly, that we can bless those who curse us. Wow. God's grace is sufficient to help me forgive. God's grace is sufficient to help me to move on. And God's grace is sufficient to help me to even take up my towel and love my enemies. In myself, I can't do it. But God's grace in me, I can take up my towel and I can wipe the feet of the one who may have even betrayed me or is getting ready to do so. Let's continue around the table this morning and let's look at another seat, if you will, at the table. Abandoned. Abandoned. There was abandonment, not in just one of the chairs, but in all of them. In all of them. 
Jesus washed Judas' feet knowing he was going to betray him. But all of them, he washed all of their feet. And he knew that every last one of them, all 12 of them, would soon, even in a matter of hours, abandon him. What a sad, sad thought. We remember the story in the garden where Jesus was praying and he took a few of them with him and they kept falling asleep. He said, can't you just pray with me just for a little while? But they, they couldn't do it. We see in the garden where they came to arrest Jesus by night and his disciples scattered. He was abandoned. But yet, he took on the form of what Not just the form, but the form and the function of what should have been reserved for the lowest of the lowest of the servants. And he stooped down and he took his towel and he washed their feet. Why, pastor, does that speak to you so strongly? Why is that so significantly? Because it tells me that there's hope for me. Because I too have abandoned him. You too. Have abandoned him. How do you know that pastor? Isaiah 53 and 6. Says it this way. He said all we like sheep. Have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Now that's a sad part of the scripture. That doesn't look too good on me. And it doesn't look too good on you. But can I tell you it defines our reality. It tells us that every one of us has at moments in our lives or maybe years of our lives rejected God, rejected Christ. Maybe we flat out turned our back on him at times and walked away from him. We all like sheep have gone astray. But here's the good news. The Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. You see, not only did he bend down and gird himself and take his towel and wipe their feet knowing they were going to within hours abandon him. But the next day he was taken and he was beaten and he was hung upon the cross and he died for them, but he died for you and I. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. They abandoned him, but he didn't abandon them. We have abandoned him, but he has not abandoned us. Right there would be a good amen time right there. Hallelujah. And there was another seat around that table. You see, trust had been violated around the table, around the eating spot as they were eating. Betrayal was there. Abandonment, (coughs) excuse me, was there. But denial was also there. We see now at the meal, talk about the man Peter. Peter, look with me, verse 6, please. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Peter's kind of boisterous. Peter sticks his foot in his mouth. Peter needs to grow up a little bit. Now, thankfully, we see in the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost got in him and he did grow up. And he did mature up. 
So if you or somebody on your pew is not quite as mature as they ought to be right now, just keep praying for them. Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of them. Now, don't you look at anybody. <laughs> You're all looking at me. No. <laughs> Jesus said, or Jesus answered and said to him, verse 7, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you'll know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. I want to tell you, he was talking about washing his feet right there. He was speaking to some pride in, in Peter saying, no, no. But I want to tell you, greater than having our feet washed is that we need to have our heart and soul washed and cleansed by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And we cannot be too prideful and say, I have it all together. I don't need this religion. I don't need this Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, we do. He died to save us. He died to cleanse us and wash us by the blood. And if we say to his gift of salvation, if we say to being washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if we say no to that, then we'll have no part with him. Jesus Christ is still the way and the truth and the life. Jesus Christ is still the only way, the only truth, the only life. We live in a pluralistic society. We live in a society that says there are many ways to God. Let me be very theological right there, hogwash. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ who died on the cross. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the good news is, again, that even when I was in my sins and trespasses, he died for me. I urge you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe that the Holy Spirit will draw you to repentance. But we must yield to his drawing. You say, Pastor, what is that uneasy feeling? What is that stirring in me? It's called conviction. It's the Holy Spirit saying, I want to make you right with God. I want to draw you to the one who can save your soul and change your life. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Don't deny him, but accept him. Look at verse 8 again. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter then said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And I say, Lord, wash me fresh in your blood that you shed on Calvary's cross. Save me to the uttermost. But here's the sad thing in Peter's regard. Peter went from declaring, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands in my head, he went from declaring to very, very shortly, just a matter of hours really, to denying. Denying, refusing to admit the truth, refusing to the, admit the existence of. But Jesus knew this was going to happen. Jump down with me to verse 37 and 38. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Here he is declaring again. I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say 
to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Jesus said, you're making all this boastfulness. But this time tomorrow, you're going to be a shameful, guilty, wretch, heartbroken yourself because you will deny me not just one time, not just twice. You're going to deny me three times. But yet, Jesus took his towel and washed Peter's feet. And how many times in my life, how many times in your life have we denied Christ? How many times in our lives have we failed to speak up on his behalf? How many times maybe we have even verbally at times saying, oh, I don't know him. I don't care about those things, I, that church, that, that God stuff. But even while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the beautiful, merciful, graceful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So what do we do in response to all of this? They can hit that last slide. We take our towel. What do you mean we take our towel? Let, let, me, let me finish the passage here. Look at verse 12. Back up to, to verse 12 where we had left off. So when Jesus had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What's he saying here? He's saying for us to take our towel. He's saying that there's going to be times in our lives where trust is going to be violated and we're going to be hurt, but we still we take our towel and we serve, even the person that hurt us. He's saying there's going to be times where we're going to suffer and be betrayed. There's going to be times where we're going to feel like we've been abandoned. There are some maybe in this room that you feel like certain ones key in your life should have been there, but they weren't. What do we do in those times? We say, I'm going to take my towel. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve others. And I'm going to break this cycle. I'm going to make a change. It's not going to tear me down, but I'm going to use it to propel it to lift up somebody else. I'm going to take my towel. I'm going to serve. Denial might come our way. People that we thought were our friends that I don't know them. I don't like them anymore. Whatever it might be. Whatever heart, heartache or heartbreak. We're going we're gonna to take our towel. And we're going to serve. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve others. 
You know what we said earlier? Don't ever throw out a towel because you never know when you might need it. Sometimes you just need it for an old rag. And you might say, well, pastor, I've been through the ringer and my towel right now kind of feels like an old rag. Well, take up your old rag <laughs> and begin to serve. Just consider it has character. That dirt and those stains and that, those rips and whatever, it's just character. It's just your testimony. It just points others to Christ to say, hey, they've been through the ringer. They've been through a hard time, but they're still standing. They're still standing and they're still serving. Hallelujah. I believe we can do it by the grace of God. He can help us. What does a towel do? I'm about to land this plane right here. A towel wipes away something. If I had had this towel last night at the outback when I knocked that big extra large sweet tea over across the table onto my wife. <laughs> thankfully it didn't get on her. If I had had this big old towel... It would have wiped up that mess. But instead, people went scrambling and, and grabbing paper, uh, paper towels, ta napkins. You never know when we need to take our towel, help somebody wipe up their mess. And if I'm hurt and I'm despondent and I'm bitter and I'm just, I'm not taking it. I've been hurt. I'm done. No, no. I'm going to take my towel. Somebody's got a mess. Maybe I can wipe it up. Somebody's got some tears. Maybe I can help dry it up. Take my towel. Take my towel. You see, and if uh, you guys come maybe play that song we sang a few minutes ago, He Touched Me, we'll just close with that. You see, betrayal, abandonment, Denial, trust that has been broken, none of those things should define us. Too many times, let me preach right here this morning. Let me preach, let me preach with love and clarity here. Too many times, something happens in our lives that's less than desirable, or maybe it's just quite horrific and unspeakable. Too many times things can happen in our lives and we make the mistake of letting those things define us for the rest of our lives. But I want to tell us this morning, those things don't have to define us. I know who I am and I know who I am in Christ. That's what's going to define me. So betrayal is not going to define me. And as best as I can do, I'm going to take my towel and I'm going to try to help somebody else so that betrayal doesn't define them either. Is that all right this morning? Being abandoned is not going to define the rest of my life. And I'm going to take my towel and the best I can do, I'm going to try to help someone else who maybe is dealing with that same thing. So that it doesn't define them either. Trust that has been violated and broken is not going to define the rest of my life and who I am.
I know who I am. I am Christ. And he is mine. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to take my towel and I'm going to try to help someone else so that it doesn't define them either. After we've been through some things, it creates some empathy in our lives. After we've been through some things, we become more equipped in our lives to maybe, just maybe, help somebody else who's struggling through what we've gone through. What we need to do? Take our towel. Who's our example? Christ is our example. Not only did he stoop down as the lowest form of a servant, the lowest of the lowest of the servants, and wash their feet, but just really hours from that time, he spread out his arms. Nails were put into his arms, to his feet, and across raised up on a hillside and there he was until he suffocated that's how you die on a cross you suffocate before he died before as the Bible said he gave up the ghost he said father forgive them for they know not what they do same grace that same mercy that same forgiveness is extended to me this morning that same grace that same mercy that same forgiveness is extended to you this morning would you stand with me prayer this morning, I invite you to come myself or some of the pastoral team will pray with you and pray for you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I invite you to come to this altar and accept Him into your heart and into your life the best decision you'll ever make want Jesus to come into your heart, this altar is open. Come and pray. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to repentance, you can bow your head right where you are and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. He can save you right where you are. Change your life. Make us new creations in Christ Jesus. So this altar is open if you need to be saved. This altar is open if you need prayer. If you want to come and kneel and pray to the Lord, this altar is open for you to do that this morning. I want to encourage us to do as Jesus did and take up our towels. Let's sing this before we leave this place this morning and give God some honor and praise.